You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. So, does anybody like soccer? Soccer in here? Soccer's good. I played soccer growing up. I played soccer growing up. Played for like the Nomads and like the Hotspurs and, and all that kind of stuff. And I used to love soccer as a kid, and I used to love indoor soccer with the San Diego Soccers. And I, I learned last week that they're still playing. I didn't know that they were still playing. But indoor soccer was fun because it's like, it's like six on six, five people on the field, and a goalie. It's fast-paced. It's high-scoring. It's awesome. One time I even went to a game. It was my birthday, and I was sitting next to a referee um, that was from, like, England or something like that. And so he found it was my birthday, so he took me on the field, and I got to kick on goal at halftime. And uh, if I made it, I got uh, Big Macs stacked to my height. That was the prize. And so I kicked a goal, and I won, like, 25 Big Macs because I was only, like, yay, yay big at the time. And so that, that was pretty cool. But one of the things I loved about indoor soccer was the fact that uh, th- this thing called uh, power play. It was a power play. Like, it was like when, um, when one of the, the other team would come up to one of the San Diego soccers or vice versa, and they would foul flagrantly or violently, and they would get put in the penalty box for two minutes. And so now the soccers had an advantage. It was, like, super exciting. They'd be, like, you know, power play, and they'd play the music, and, you know, they'd be, they'd be going, and then we would score, and then everybody would go crazy, and then the guy would come out of the penalty box. They can also uh, find these, these, these power plays in hockey games. In hockey games, you can, you know, flagrantly foul somebody. I don't know how they discern because everything's flagrantly and everything in, in hockey. But you can go into the penalty box for two minutes or maybe five minutes, and then the other team's on a, on a power play. You can even have two people go off at the same time, so then it's like five on three. So basically, a power play is when one team has an advantage over the other team. So one team has an advantage over the other team. You, you and I, I don't know if you know this, but we have an advantage in this life. It's not an even playing field. It's not an even playing field. We have an advantage, and his name is the Holy Spirit. You already saw him moving here tonight before we even started the message, but he gives you and I an advantage. In other words, you and him are an advantage in any environment you walk in. in any, if you walk into a stadium of demons, you and him are the majority. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have an advantage. We have an advantage. And Jesus, Jesus actually talked about this. He talked about this, uh, the title of my message is Power Play. I don't know if I said that. John 16, 7 says this. Nevertheless... I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. In other words, he doesn't think it should be a a level playing field when the Holy Ghost comes. No matter if it's in your career, in your business, you have an advantage. In your family, you have an advantage. In your health, you have an advantage. When you need to make decisions, you have an advantage. When you need a solution, you can find it because you have an advantage. That doesn't mean you're not going to face stuff. It just means you have the power to overcome it. You have an advantage. His name is, is the Holy Spirit. But can you imagine this scenario where uh, Jesus is coming to his disciples? Now, uh, he has already raised Lazarus from the dead. He's multiplied the fish and the loaves, fed 15,000 people. He's, you know, uh, caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear. He's done all of these miracles. He actually even gave the disciples power and authority to go do the things that he was doing, and they went out and did it. And now he's saying, hey, guys, good news. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go away, but, but it's okay. It's to your advantage. The disciples would have been, like, freaking out. Jesus, what are we going to do? You're our power source. You're the, the prophesied Messiah, and you're going to leave, and you think it's better for us? 
He says it's to your advantage. Because Jesus knew he could only be in one place at one time. But if he sent the Holy Ghost, he can be in all of us at the same time. He can be filling you up here in San Diego. He can feel, be filling somebody else up in Canada, somebody else up in Africa, and we can all be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The advantage can be spread amongst all of us if we believe. So you and I have an advantage. But, this is, but the funny thing is, is I, I know this now. I know this now that I should live a life in a perpetual power play. But I didn't know this forever. I didn't know this forever. I didn't know this for 31 years of my life. For 31 years of my life, and I, I'm very grateful for my upbringing. I was saved when I was six years old. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. Most of my aunts and uncles were Christians. I grew up in a very, I, I feel like, privileged home in, the, in that way. My, my, my heritage is Christianity. And, uh, but, but I didn't know about the power play thing. I didn't know about the advantage that I had. I was, I was, I was saved, but I was living on an even playing field. I was competing on an even playing field because I was never reaching into that to that, to that advantage that I was given. And it wasn't until I was 31 years old, my wife and I had just gotten married, we were in another, uh, another church, and we got into a connect group. That connect group changed my life. If you're not in a connect group, get into a connect group, it'll change your life. A little quick plug, a little quick plug. But I'm in this connect group, and we're, we're, we're in with a bunch of young marriage. There's maybe eight couples, probably 16 of us, and we're all about the same age, going through the same stuff, it was awesome. We had great leaders in that connect group, um, great mentors of, of Becky and I when we were, uh, you know, newly married. And, and so we learned so much in this connect group. However, they also didn't realize that we had an advantage. And so what happened was every week at the end of our connect group, we would come together and we'd be in this, in this circle and we would put forth our prayer requests. And everybody put forth their prayer requests. And then the next week, and then we'd pray, you know, Jesus, if it's your will, please, Lord, <laughs> All of the things, we're begging God to do things he already did. And so, you know, we're, oh, God, if it's your will. And so we would pray those kind of prayers. And we would never have any answered prayers. So the next week, we would come back, and we'd be putting the same prayer request forward, praying for the same things, and nothing ever changed. The only thing I remember ever getting answered, the only prayer request I ever remember getting answered was this, there was this couple in there. They were awesome. I love these guys. Uh, and, and, and by the way, I'm not talking trash. None of us knew about it, okay? None of us knew about the advantage. But these guys came in, and they were, uh, they were sharing with us that the guy had a business, and then they got married, and then his wife started to work for him. And she was a sharp, sharp girl. And she comes one day to the end of the connect group, and she puts forth a prayer request. And she says, um, she says yeah, um, I need a new job. I got fired this week. She works for her husband. And so we're all like, okay, you need more than a job. You probably need marriage counseling. <laughs> but we prayed, you know, we believed God. And so the next week we come back, and it was amazing. She goes, oh, my gosh, um, the, the prayers work. You know, I got a God story. And we're like, what's a God story? And she's like, my husband got, uh, hired me back. <laughs> she got a job. <laughs> her husband hired her back. We're like, well, hey, praise God. I'll give him credit for that. I'm not sure if that was God or, or what. I think it was just the husband going, hey, I... I might need some loving sometime in my marriage, so I'm going to hire my wife back. But that was literally the only prayer request I ever remember being answered. And so one day I prayed this prayer. It was a simple prayer, and I didn't even pray it out loud. I just prayed it in my mind. At the end of the connect group, I'm leaving, and I said, God, what's the point of this Christianity thing? Whenever we pray, nothing ever happens. You already know 
what we're gonna say and what we need anyways, so what's the point of this whole Christianity thing? There's a little prayer I prayed in my head, and that prayer sent me on a journey over the last 16 years of chasing the power of God, chasing the advantage that we have. Shortly thereafter, I don't even know how it happened, I realized that my uncle, who lives in Fresno, California, uh, has a deliverance ministry. And so I call my, my uncle, who I've known my whole life, obviously, he's my uncle, and I'm like, hey, what do you do? And so he starts telling me about his ministry, his deliverance ministry. And he's telling me all these stories about, you know, deliverances and miracles. And he said how he got started in his ministry was he was the, the pastor at Fresno Pacific College. And some, some woman came into his office, you know, like needed pastoral care or whatever. She comes in, sits down, and she starts manifesting, like growling or something. And he was like, he was raised, I was raised Baptist. He was raised Mennonite, which is like more conservative than, I don't even know what it really is. It's just way over here. And so he, 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 he was not ready for this, but he had remembered, and he'll give credit to the Holy Spirit, but he remembered somebody at some point said, when that happens, say, in the name of Jesus. And so he just looked at this girl and he said, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. And the woman stopped. She stopped doing it, and he was like, okay, let's do this. Greater is, you know. So he, he and he said he, that was the beginning of his ministry. And he never had to search out demonized people. God just brought them to him. And now he has this ministry. He's been going for like, you know, 30 years or whatever. And, and, and constantly there's just people coming. There's waiting lists and everything. You know, everyone wants to get delivered. And so, and so that, that was the, the, the start of this whole thing. So I said, hey, I got, I got to have you come down to San Diego. Like, I know, you know, I mean, we're, we're boys, but we haven't talked about this before. Like, can you come down to San Diego? So I, I just said, whatever it takes, I'll pay for you. I'll, I'll give you money, whatever. Just come down. So he comes down, I invite three friends over. Dr. Matt, our North Campus pastor, was one of them, and two other people. And, uh, and we were just sat there for five hours on a Saturday, and our minds were just blown. He was talking about all these miracles, these healings, these deliverance, got guns and knives pulled on him, and he just said, in the name of Jesus, and they draw, you know, and uh, I'm talking about like speaking to the weather and the weather going, going away, just like, you know, that's biblical, by the way, but like crazy stuff, and I'm just, my mind is blown. So then I start reading all these books, and I'm like, there's no way all these people are lying. Like Reinhard Bonnke. You're not, like he can't lie that much. Like he's still alive, we could call him on it. Like T.L. Osborne, all these miracles, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lay, Catherine Cole, all these people, and I'm reading these books going, there's no way this is false. There's no way it's all a lie. Even though I never saw it before, I thought it was just because the church I was at was so big and I, you know, I just wasn't connected in the right place. But I realized that we just didn't realize that there was an advantage. There was an advantage. And so I started on this journey, and it was almost like as soon as I realized that there was power available to me, I got sick. I feel like to this day it was, it was an, you know, a, a demonic attack. It was like I started getting excited. And so at this point, I, I, I thought, I believed that I could be healed. And I had met Pastor Jurgen for a lunch before. And so I had talked to him. I had talked to my uncle. So I was starting to put all the pieces together, and then I got sick. And a lot of you guys know this story, but I'm driving around in North County. In, uh, in actually, it's funny enough, right by our new San Marcos building, I, I remember exactly where I was. And my, my stomach started to hurt. And so I'm driving around. My stomach's hurting. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I... I, you know, go home early that day, and into the, into the evening, the pain is still there. And so um, it's, it's, you know, 
bedtime and um, we're about to go to bed and my, my stomach is, is really hurting. And so I had to tell my wife, like, my stomach is hurting. I think I need to go to the emergency room. And uh, if you know my beautiful wife, who preached extraordinarily this morning, if you didn't hear that message, you need to hear that message. It's amazing. But as beautiful as she is, as great of a preacher as she is, as prophetic as she is, as great mother you are, honey, as great as she is, She's not very compassionate towards me when I get sick. So if I need sympathy or compassion, I still call my mom, and I'm 44. So I'm like, babe, I need to go to the emergency room. So she agrees. She must have seen it you know, in my face. So she takes me to the emergency room. So we get to the emergency room. You guys know the story. I walk in the emergency room, and they, they do a couple of tests, and they say, you know what? You're dehydrated. And so they pump me full of IVs. I walk out really puffy, and then I go home. Well, the next day, the, uh, the, the pain didn't get better. It got worse. So I'm still feeling very sick. And now it's starting to kind of go in, into my back area. And, and so I go, I, I, this time, I, it was in the middle of the night. I'm on the floor. Remember I was, our old house, on the floor, balled up like a little baby. And I was in excruciating pain, and I needed to go back to the emergency room. And so I had a decision to make. Because my wife isn't compassionate or sympathetic towards sickness, and she also really loves to sleep. So I had, to, I had to decide, am I in enough pain to wake her up? I was in that much pain. I'm like, babe, I need to go to the emergency room again. So second night in a row, we go to the emergency room. This time they do some tests. They, they check me out and they say, you know what? You're not just dehydrated, you're constipated. Uh, and I'm telling you, like, I was in excruciating pain, so my respect for constipated people went through the roof. I was like, man, if y'all are in this much pain, I respect you. And so they, they pump me full of fluids, and then they put some Motrin in me, and they send me home again. So for a little bit, the pain subsided because I was so full of Motrin. I go home, and that, the next day, the pain didn't get better. It got worse. So now it's my stomach. It's all through my lower back. And I'm like, babe, I got to go back to the emergency room. Like, there's something going on. Third night in a row. So we go back to the emergency room, and uh, we walk in, and all the nurses and doctors are like, hey, there's the constipated guy. <laughs> So annoyingly, they, they test me again, and they go through some things. This time, they take my blood, though. This time, they take a, 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 a test of my blood, and they come back, and they look. Instead of being very, very annoyed, now they're very, very concerned. And they sit me, me and my wife down, and they say, do you have a will? First thing he said to me. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, did you, like, miss the bedside manner class in medical school? <laughs> like, sandwich method, positive, negative, positive. But he just goes straight to the meat, straight to the negative, and says, do you have a will? And I'm like, yeah, I got a will, but what's going on? And he says, you have a, uh, what's called acute renal failure. Your kidneys are failing, and we need to admit you right away. So they admit me that night. That was like on a Sunday. In the next three to four days, I lose 20 pounds, and now I am very constipated because they're giving me all kinds of medicine. And I'm not, I'm not getting better, I'm getting worse. Each and every day I'm getting worse. My creatinine levels are getting higher and higher. I'm near five, and, and uh, you're on dialysis for the rest of your life when you hit eight, according to them. And one is normal. And so it's, it's, day, it's day three. They're, they don't know what's going on. They're asking me if I'm doing drugs, steroids. Like, why are you sick? You're 31, you're fully healthy. 
And so they, they, they asked me these questions. I said, no, I'm not doing any of that stuff. And so they said, well, we need to do a biopsy because we have no idea why you're sick. And so they're going to take a little piece of my kidney and test it and come back and try to figure out why I was sick. And so they do, they, this was on a, on a Wednesday night. And, um, but I, I, I had heard that you could get healed, like God heals. And so I called my friend Matt, Dr. Matt, our North Campus pastor. And I'm like, Matt, do you think Pastor Jurgen will pray for me? And he says, well, he probably would, but I called him and he's on his way to Australia. But there's another guy. There's another guy that just got here from Australia, Pastor Summer's husband, Mark, and he's in town, and he knows how to pray. Call him. And so uh, Mark Peterson didn't know me, but he fasted all day for me, walks into the, to the hospital room that night with, with my friend Matt. In the room was, was different friends of mine. My whole family was there. And you don't understand, my friends that I had before here were, were awesome people, but, but they were the kind of people like I was that would say, hey, I'll pray for you, or hey, I'm going to send my thoughts towards you. But I didn't need thoughts. I didn't need nice prayers. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody that realized there was an advantage, someone that was living in a power play, that's what I needed. So that's why I called Matt. That's why you need to be at men's prayer. There's people there that know how to pray. And women's prayer. So Matt and Mark walk into, the, walk into to the hospital room, and Mark says, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. And he lays his hands on me, and he begins to prophesy out of Isaiah 58 that says, your healing shall come forth speedily, which was the verse that he got while he was fasting that day. And while he put his hand on me, my heart's beating out of my chest. There's heat. There, the, 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 there, was, there was such a presence in the room. There was a weight in the room. Maybe I've never felt it to this day as, as heavy as it was in there that day. It's the first time I ever felt anything like it. My heart's beat out of my chest. I knew something had shifted. He starts to prophesy over me about stuff that only like my family would know. In fact, my mom even asked me afterwards, does he know you? I'm like, I never met him before. He was saying stuff about me and about my wife. And he, and he, and he leaves the room. And everybody in the room was bawling because everybody had never seen, felt, or heard anything like that. And in fact, uh, I, I, I heard Matt, that Mark's told Matt that he said, man, if I could, I'd go clear out this whole hospital right now. Like he was in the flow. Yeah. So anyways, the next day they, they take my uh, blood one more time before they do the biopsy and they found that every day I was getting worse, but this day it had gone from five to below two. The next day they tested again, so they didn't do the biopsy. They said something's changed. The next day it goes from two to one, which is normal and they released me from the hospital the next day. The doctors didn't know what happened, but I know what happened. Somebody came into that room with an advantage, and he laid his hands on me and released the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. That's what happened. I haven't had a problem with my kidneys since. Thank God Pastor Summer and Mark decided to come to San Diego. Thank God Pastor Jurgen and Leanne came to San Diego, or none of us would be here. So I got out of that place, and I made a decision that I wanted what that guy had. And so for the last 16 years, I've been chasing the power of God. I've been chasing and believing God for the miraculous, chasing and believing God to have what he had, to be able to pray with that kind of authority, to be able to bring that kind of presence into a room and to shift atmospheres. So I got healed, and then I started reading the Bible. And I read in Luke 10, 19, my favorite verse that my kids know too, it says, Behold, I give you the authority, I probably say this every time I preach, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by shall any means hurt you. 
And so I knew I had this authority, so I started to think about this authority that I'd given, and then I realized I didn't just have authority, which is a position, but there was an opportunity to receive power. Acts 1, 4 to 5 says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This was already, they were already saved, but they just hadn't received power yet. You might be here today and you've received the Holy Spirit. You're saved, you're going to heaven, but maybe you haven't received power yet. Maybe you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost yet. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there was something available that I started to, to, to hunger for and to thirst for, and I, and I kept asking Pastor Eric, I wasn't even going to come to the church yet, but once in a while I'd see him because of uh, Pastor Matt. i say, Pastor Jurgen, how do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. How do I do it? How do I receive power? And he said, it's going to happen. Just stay hungry, stay thirsty. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He kept quoting that to me. And so I'm starting to get hungry. I'm not, you know, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I heard that my friend's mom got baptized in the Holy Spirit in her car while she was listening to worship music. And so I would get in my car and turn on worship and just be like, <laughs> just hoping that, you know, he was going to fall. And I would start speaking in tongues in my car. It never happened that way. But it did happen one night. I heard that Pastor Jurgen was speaking at, a, at an event. I didn't know what the event was. I saw it in an email. It was a little flyer. And I said, babe, let's go. I want to go hear Pastor Jurgen. And, and you need to understand, like, she didn't want to come to C3. She didn't want to come to C3. She, you know, uh, we grew up Baptist. She grew up even more. And, like, speaking in tongues is from the devil and all this kind of stuff. People falling over and all that. And I didn't care if I fell over. I didn't care if I stuck to the ceiling. I didn't care if he threw me against the wall. I just wanted the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't care. If God created the universe, he should at least be able to knock me down. You know what I mean? Like, and so, so I, was, I was praying. I was hungry. So we're standing. So we walk into this, this event. We walk in through the back. And me and Becky walk into the back. There's maybe 100 people there. It's a small little venue. And we walk in and we realize, oh, shoot, we're the oldest people here. This is a youth event. So we're like. And, you know, Pastor Jurgen's like, hey, John and Becky, come on up, sit in the front, sit next to me. Because he's so, so, you know, welcoming and everything. And so we, we were like, oh, shoot. So we go up and sit in the front row, the front row. Felt very exposed in the front row. Never been in the top 20, but now I'm in the front row. I thought Jurgen's was going to be, like, preaching and, like, calling out sin. And, you know, it's very exposing in the front row if you've never sat in the front row before. And so this is all going through my head, but, you know, we sit through the service. It's a youth service, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the worship team comes back on after Pastor Jurgen preaches. So then Pastor Jurgen's in the front row, and we're all sitting there. And then he comes over and starts praying for my wife. And, you, you know, I've been praying for my wife, like, behind the scenes. Like, oh, God, I pray that we can go to C3. Like, I want to be, you know, where there's power and whatever. And, uh, and so, I, so, so Pastor Jurgen comes over and starts praying for, and under my breath, I'm like, oh, come on, Holy Spirit, drop her right here. Come on, <laughs> drop her right here. I'm like, believe in God, something's gonna, crazy's gonna happen. And so Yurik's praying for her, it's a great prayer, you know, nothing crazy happens. Then he comes over to me, and he puts his hand on me, and it was like electricity goes through my body, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this, this might be the moment, you know? And I'm like... <laughs> And then he's praying for me, he's prophesying over me. I'm like this, trying to like stand up because I'm thinking to myself, oh shoot, if I fall down, 
my wife's never going to let me come to C3. So I'm like, you know, trying to fight the power of God. And then eventually he goes, in the name of Jesus, baptize him with the Holy Spirit and power. Boom, I hit the floor. Start speaking in tongues right there. But as soon as I start speaking in tongues, I'm like, because if my wife hears me, like I'm having this battle. And so then I try to get up, and I'm up, and I'm trying to worship, you know, for the, for the end of the meeting. And uh, we finish worship, and we're walking out. We're, we're leaving the event. And after, you know, we're out of Pastor Jurgen's earshot, my wife says, why don't you just fall over? You look like an idiot. <laughs> I'm doing this for you, babe. But it happened. That was the day that it happened. I was just filled with power. And now I started reading the Bible and it was starting to make so much sense. And I started seeing all these miracles. I'm like, wow, what Bible was I reading before? And then I wasn't just reading the Bible. I started to experience the Bible. I remember, I remember the, first, the first woman we went and prayed for. My wife and I went, she was working for me and she had breast cancer. We went to her house. She didn't even believe she could be healed. But we walked over there. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was just stupid enough to believe the Bible. I was just stupid enough to believe that I'd received something, that I had an advantage. So I told a few verses to her, and we prayed. And she had a test in a week. She had a, a cancer test in a week. And we prayed, and, when the, and we left, and then we prayed every night for the next week, because we knew she had a test in a week. So we would pray every night in our bed before we went to bed for this girl. And then we get a call the next Friday. And she says, John, you're not going to believe this. The doctors tested me, and they can't find any sign of breast cancer. Like it's completely gone. I didn't even know what I was doing. I had no idea. I just knew to pray and believe God. You don't have to be prayed up. You don't have to be a Christian for 50 years. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost for 10 years because you know why? The Holy Spirit in you is the same one that raised Jesus from the dead. He's the same one that healed every disease over the last 2,000 years. He's the same one that was in the disciples. He's the same one that was on Jesus. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And since that time, I've seen hundreds of miracles, crazy ones. Cancer, a five-year-old boy a year ago, right on this stage, healed of cancer right there. Another one, the same night, hereditary uh, disease that were passed down. The, the, the mom emailed us and said that her, her uh, siblings, they got healed R right here. Right here, I've seen scoliosis, back, shoulders, legs, everything. I've seen, I've seen uh, diabetes right there. It happened right there. One prayer. I've seen crazy stuff. I've seen people come out of comas, off of life support. God is real. Your advantage is real. So I started experiencing the Bible, and my life was completely changed. And then we come to... Uh, while I was in the hospital, we didn't know this, but my wife was pregnant. And uh, I don't know if it was because of the stress or, or whatever, but we ended up losing the baby. And so we weren't at C3 yet, and, and uh, we lost the baby, and it was kind of a horrific thing, really painful, and, and I think kind of late for the, you know, most people. They have miscarriages. And so Pastor Jurgen heard about this, and we weren't coming to the church yet. You would think when I got healed by somebody from C3, we, she would let me come, but she, we still weren't here. <laughs> but Pastor Jurgen heard that we lost the baby, and uh, it was the very first cherished conference, and 
Chris Pringle, um, Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, Chris Pringle was gonna be the speaker and she wrote a book about a vision she saw when she lost her baby. It's called Jesse. And she brings healing all over the world for the, because of this story and how, you know, babies that are miscarried and how they're treated in heaven and raised in heaven and all that stuff. And so Pastor Jurgen said, hey, I'll even pay for her ticket to come, like just, just send her. And, and so it was like a divine thing that my wife just said, yeah, I think I, I, think I should go. She didn't know anybody. She had met Leanne one time. So she went to this conference and, uh, and she comes back after the conference. She got healed at the conference named, uh, you know, the sex of the baby, like all, all this stuff happens that, you know, she has this whole big altar call thing. Wife gets healed, wife gets my, her first vision, writes down a vision. Never had a vision before, but she saw what she was wearing, what she was talking about, and she was preaching on a stage. Ministry was never in the cards for us, never before this. She got her first vision. So she comes back home from the conference and she says, John, I think we need to talk. She's like, I think we need to change churches. She's like, I just met all these women and they're different. Something different about them. They're not competitive, they're loving, encouraging. And so I was like, okay, let's go. Let's go to, let's go to C3 this weekend. And so we go to our old church in the morning and then we come to C3 at night. We were meeting in Carmel Valley Middle School. And uh, back then I had never heard Pastor Jurgen preach live. I'd only like heard him on CDs back in the day. <laughs> and uh so we, we, we get to the, to the meeting and we realize they introduced Pastor Leanne as, as preaching. I'd never even seen a woman preach before. And I was a little bit disappointed, like, oh, shoot, man, I want to see Pastor Jurgen, you know? And, uh, but then we all know what Pastor Leanne's like when she preaches. <laughs> it was a divine thing. Pastor Leanne gets up there and she says, you know, I really felt to show my, share my testimony tonight, kind of like what I'm doing with you. And she starts telling their testimony about how they had to step out of the boat, how they came all the way over here from Australia to a city they'd never been to, and how all these different things. It was like she was speaking just to us. You know those moments? She was speaking just to us. We were sitting in the back. Because remember, I only, don't even sit in the top 20, but it was in the back. And toward the end of the service, she says, we're running out of time, but she started to pull people out of their chairs and she started prophesying over people in the front. And we had never seen anybody prophesy before, never. She starts reading all these guys' mail and, and prophesying over them, and they're crying, all this kind of stuff. And then she's like, we got to end the service, but John and Becky, can you come forward? Well, did I know that my wife, while she was prophesying over these other people, said to herself, God, I know you can change the hearts of kings. If you can do that, you can have her prophesy over us. I know we're supposed to come here, but just give me one more confirmation. So before she ends the service, she calls us up. Right as she calls us up, my wife starts crying because she had just prayed that God would do that, and then God just did it. And Leanne didn't know us from Adam. She, we had met her one time. And uh, she calls us up and she starts saying, she starts prophesying over us, saying that uh, we had been living in this mansion and that there were all these different rooms in this mansion, but we were relegated to just a couple of rooms. But God was gonna start opening up all these doors, opening up all these things. And we're gonna start to see things we've never seen before and experience things we've never experienced before. And she went on and then she went to my wife and she said, you're gonna be a mouthpiece for Jesus. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to impact people. You're going to impact women. And she started to read her mail. And she didn't look at Becky's vision card that said she got a vision that she was going to preach. But she just, she just saw it on her. So all of that happened. And so after that, it was like, okay, we're in. <laughs> we're here. I can't go back to the old Christianity. 
I can't go back to the old way, the disadvantaged way, the even playing field way. I'm here because I know that God is here. I know that the Holy Spirit is here. I know that there's power here. I know that there's an advantage here that we can take advantage of. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 